0: But the line that still cracks me up is uh, basically Jim's like, What happened? What's going on? And, you know, what happened? Where, where's everybody? And Mark's like, I got some bad news for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gets me I, every time.
1: I, I wish he would have lasted longer than he did. And then it turns into, you know, a psychological thing where they're dealing with the horrors of, you know, what it means to have to you know leave somebody behind and the psychological effects it has on the person where it's like I could have saved that person but, but for the sake of our group I had to leave these people behind.
0: Hey guys welcome back to Blood Sweat and Popcorn. John here. I hope you all are doing well. Things have been a little slow over here at BSP but I'm glad you're back here with me now. Uh, this week Andrew and I continue our discussion about zombies Last time we chatted about Train to Busan, which is so very, very good. If you haven't listened to that episode that we did, please go back, it is worth the listen. And if you haven't seen that film, please go see it. It is amazing. Uh, This time we talk about another one of our favorites, Danny Boyle's 28 Days Later. I won't drag this intro out, just know that this film is possibly one of the most influential films in my upbringing in terms of horror films and filmmaking in general. So I highly recommend it. So go ahead and grab your plastic bag full of soda cans and make sure you have a spare tire in your car and let's chat 28 days later. Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. They caught a shark. Not the shark. Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. Wake up. We're at tonight's entertainment. this <laughs> some serious gourmet. How funny how? I mean funny like I'm a clown. I you. You gotta do something or just stand there and bleed. That's that for a slice of fried gold. Here's Johnny. Alright. Alright, welcome back, folks. with and popcorn. We are continuing our zombie trek. Andrew's back. Today we have 28 Days Later. Some would say this is not even a zombie film. But we'll get
1: to that. Oh, really? No, I, it's one of my all-time favorite oh, I, movies in general. Yeah. I um, I think that this film
0: is more important than people remember it for. And I'll, I'll, and I'll explain why. Because... Came out in two thousand two.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Where were you at in two thousand two?
1: Well, I'm not trying to show how young I am, but I was in Louisiana. I think I was eight years old when this movie came out. Mm. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I was eight years old. I had. I didn't see it for the first time until I was probably like fourteen or fifteen. Definitely didn't see it with my parents. My parents aren't like big scary movie or gore they're not into that kind of stuff and i think i saw it at a friend's house you know and i was fascinated with it but at the time i didn't know why i just knew i really liked it and it wasn't until i was probably you know in the military doing my job now that i really gained a real appreciation for it and use it and then you know have been able to use a lot of the influences it's had on me wow excuse me um yeah like so
0: i was 17 when this came out question mark i was in high school i, I think i was going to go see i don't know haven't. i was going to go see some I don't, I don't know what i was seeing in theaters but anyway the preview came on and I was just getting into, like, the notion of, like, maybe one day I'll be a filmmaker. Or I was I was interested in, in the idea of that. And I always wanted to make, like, my own zombie film about people in a house and to, to fight to survive. You know, the very tropey mm-hmm. zombie movie kind of setup. And then I saw his trailer. I'm like, oh, man, someone's already beat me to the punch. And I, was, I wasn't as cinematically versed as I am now. But, um... <clears throat> It, like this trailer alone for this movie scared the hell out of me way back when and the reason why I say that it's not as it's not as um, regarded as because of its important as it should be is because this movie I feel is really responsible for the resurgence and now today zombie movies are kind of played out and mm-hmm. people are tired yeah. of them but eighteen years ago, like really I, not many zombie movies were coming out. So this one came out and it was like it kinda of blew the doors open because not only were there zombies, but now there's a there's a new catch. They're fast. Yes. They're no longer the limbering corpses traipsing to your yard brains. They're like no, they're full on sprinting. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> yeah, I <it> was <laughs> a Fuck, man. Terrifying. It it, it was just scary. In general, yeah, because growing up and seeing the the George Romero-esque mm-hmm. zombies that would walk, and you know, you that brains was the only thing they knew how to say. Yeah, and seeing now that they're a lot more human, uh, realistic, in some senses, that was really scary about it. And you know, they weren't necessarily zombies; they were infected. Right. but they play into a lot of the, the tropes where they're, you know, mindless. I mean, you know, they're mindless. They're ravenous. They
0: want to eat humans. They want to kill. I mean, if that's not a zombie. I don't know. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? It's like mm-hmm. they themselves as people, their identity is taken away. They're no longer who they were. They are now an affected being, which was a def- definitely a, a fresh take on... On a already at the time, almost like a, a not in vogue, you know, subgenre horror, you know, everyone has like zombies, or I'm sorry, there's always werewolves and, and vampires, they're always like pretty easy draws, but zombies are kind of fading in and out. And this one kind of punched them back up to the surface a little bit. And like right after this movie was released, what do we get? We get Dawn of the Dead remade. Oh my god, we got Land of the yeah. Dead, we had
1: Shaun of the Dead. All the other uh, deads. All, all the all the deads. That's the Resident Evil started making its uh, appearances too, right around yeah. that time. I think you're right. I don't know if it was inspired. They saw how well Twenty Eight Days Later did, uh, or when? Because I know, I know the the Resident Evil movie came out in the early two thousands. Mm-hmm. The first, the first one. I'm trying but, to look this up real quick. We keep going. Um, like all of those movies kind of just came out of nowhere in the early till mid 2000s um right after i guess i i want to believe right after 28 days later yeah like so looking up at what was coming out around the time that
0: 28 days later came out and it was a lot of um crap Mm -hmm. a lot of horseshit was coming out and a lot of it was either remakes or i'm sorry low budget stupid things or it was like so resident evil did come out also in 2002, but that was writing the coattails of a video game, not yeah, so much the the actual movie, yeah, like stream of zombie films. Mm-hmm. And we'll see, Halloween Resurrection came out that year, Ghost Ship, <laughs> <Jeez>. Fear, <laughs> Fear.com came out then. I thought Fear.com came out a lot later, but um, Cube 2 oh, that's fun. I like the first Cube. Um, Cap, did you see Cabin Fever? Cabin Fever, yeah, I've seen that one. I like Cabin that Fever, that was really good. That was good. That was also pretty original. Mm-hmm. um eli roth i want to say he made yeah he did that was kept yeah
1: we also got a remake of carrie that, uh, that, no, that was... no one asked for <laughs> no uh-uh, i hated that their remake uh, um yeah well you know just side note i think eli roth is a very underrated uh filmmaker mm-hmm. i really yeah, like his his work is granted some of it's a little you know gore point like the yeah, did you ever see Green Inferno? Yes. Oh, oh my God, it was it was the, <laughs> it was, it was so like oh, it was just thrust. a modern modern day cannibal Holocaust. Yeah, that's that's what I took from <laughs> yeah. it. I enjoyed it. It was yes. for what it was. Like, I still watched it and had a had a blast. Yeah, it was like, yep, the guy who made Hostel definitely made this. <laughs> exactly. Like, but twenty eight days later was,
0: you know, because because post this movie the zombie uh, uh, zombie landscape broadened. And this one, it was very low-budget made. I don't even know what the budget was, i have to look it up. But it wasn't a whole lot, but it made money. And Danny Boyle directed this. And Danny Boyle has always been a really interesting and, and original filmmaker. And I really liked like the fact that this film was, so it was shot on digital, the first film to ever do this, but it was also shot like it was, felt like it was shot on like a Sony mini-DV like Mm -hmm. it was low budget it was
1: i think they they shot it Perp. they shot it on a it wasn't a cinema quality camera they shot it on a a very specific style of film and through a specific um recording device to give it this low budget grain and
0: yeah i mean this uh, um it kind of went through these processes and these lenses where it was like definitely, uh, um, almost documentary. Mm-hmm. Almost that's like the kind of vibe it kind of put out there. I felt. Um, so I looked it up. It was made for eight million. Uh, wow. Uh, I guess pounds. It's in it's in the British currency. Mm-hmm. But it made back over ten times that that amount. So 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 studios what they what they do when they see a movie strike gold they like oh we should make more of these things mm-hmm. and um i want to also want to note the parallel that walking dead the the comic series not the show the comic series debuted that year or the i looked it up too. the graphic
1: the the graphic novel the actual comic book yeah okay yeah
0: that came out where is my stuff so that 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 came out in 2003 Okay. So there's a the big parallels like because in that in that story, um, Rick wakes up in a hospital, Mm-hmm. and we have uh, um, Jim and twenty days later wake up in a hospital. Both like times moved on. It's they forgot all about these guys laying uh, in a coma in a hospital, and they wake up and like shit has hit the fan. And um, <clears throat> but I think that was just a, a a happy coincidence I don't think anyone was I don't think Robert Kirkman was ripping off of uh, of this film I don't last the romantic
1: way I want to, want to rem- remember it I think it's it's an easy way to get through to to set the story up and set the context of the story up without having to show show it really yeah. so same thing you know Resident Evil 2 did the exact same thing.
0: hmm
1: or, or, no, I'm sorry. Was it... I mean the game? No, the the, the movie. Oh. It was in a... the movie, she wakes... Uh, Mia Jovovich's character, she wakes up... That's right. ...in a hospital. Yeah. And then even in the third freaking movie, <laughs> she, she wakes up in a hospital. How many of these movies have they made of Resident Evil? Six, I believe. They are the original... Um... The one in Raccoon City. That's two. They had Afterlife, which is in the desert. Yeah. Or then, oh, sorry, I've seen the first Extinction. Two for sure. Yeah, there's Extinction. I think that was in the desert. Afterlife, right after that, and then I think one or two more they've made, and it's just been a downhill spiral of movies because they can't figure out whether or not they want to stick to the. Um, I, I have very strong feelings about this, but they, you know, whether or not they want to stick the video game or make it their own kind of series. I fig- I remember playing the first two video games, the first four.
0: I think I played Resident Evil four in Iraq on a GameCube, and I fucking loved it. Yeah. Um, but like, I think like the the uh, the lore of Resident Evil is so rich it could have really gone off to the races and made really good films out of them, but they, they didn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember actually. I remember I was I was in high school. I, this is a distinct memory. I was in high school and I was working at a old folks home. I was working in the kitchen. I was a dishwasher and like a prep cook Mm -hmm. for like the, the seniors Mm -hmm. dining. It was, it was like a restaurant experience without like, Oh yeah. I don't know. It was like a real restaurant, but anyway, it was kitchen experience. And, um, (laughs) so a buddy that worked there with me, I, I, I really didn't. I couldn't really read him. He was kind of like this weirdly, like an, an anomaly of a person, but he loved video games. Like, he just, so that's something we kind of connected on. And he went and he saw this movie, Resident Evil. I hadn't seen it yet. And he comes in to work, like on a Saturday. I was like, hey, man, how was your Friday night? i up uh, making a mm-hmm. conversation. He's like, oh, man, I saw Resident Evil. I'm like, oh, yeah? Like, how was it? Like, dude, hands down, the best movie I've ever seen in my life. I'm like, oh, okay. It's a, a bold statement. Aaron. I mean, to be fair like I you and I look at films a lot differently than I guess more casual people Mm -hmm. so it's not surprising to me when someone who's kind of like they don't they're not a scholar or they they, well they don't have scholarly ambitions with film Mm -hmm. to like something that's kind of run of the mill and like put it up on this giant pedestal and I'm not gonna fault them for doing that that's totally their opinion it's all always subjective but like the fact that he was so like confident in like this is the best movie I've ever seen like in your entire life, your whole catalog of watching experience. This is netted the top prize for you. Hey, good for you, man.
1: Because I, I saw it, I was like, this is probably one of the worst movies I've ever seen <laughs> in my life. You know, it's sad though. Is you know, I know this. It, I think it's it was the best of that entire franchise, mm-hmm. and it still wasn't that great of a movie, but. Um, they, de- they definitely peaked with the first one. Yes, but um, it's interesting though because like, those movies came out at the exact same time, almost as the tw- as Twenty Eight Days Later. Yeah. But they both of them fared fairly fairly well. Oh yeah, in like, their own uh, right. Resident Evil on um, brand recognition alone, it made money.
0: Yeah. Um, that's why there's what six of them now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's why there's also like seven thousand paranormal activities Mm -hmm. and Friday the 13th, and because they make them on a shoestring budget, and they Mm -hmm. have a really one that one good opening weekend is all they need. Mm -hmm. Because I think, like statistically, every horror movie comes out like at the box office. Back when we could have box office, Mm -hmm. you know, successes, they they premiere. They strike gold that first weekend, three days, mm-hmm. and then it's like systematic. The second weekend, they drop to like place yeah. six, place seventh, and they never recover because mm-hmm. they're gimmicky. Mm-hmm. A lot like the, the, the bad ones are very gimmicky. But 28 days later yeah. is not gimmicky. No. It's very original.
1: Yes. And, <laughs> you know, going back to that opening sequence or scene, sets of. You know, when shots. When you're walking around the city. Was like is that, is even the first time I saw that movie, I was blown away by that, by that, uh, by that. Though all, all of all those shots, mm-hmm. and you know, even now having watched it, God knows how many times, I still get chills watching just that opening scene, just because of how, well, how well they shot it, mm-hmm. and how eerie and almost like voyeuristic it is watching him from these like you know angles
0: yeah like it's almost like like security cameras kind mm-hmm. of looking down and he's just walking around and it's it's desolate and i i, I don't know how much you read into the, like the making of it but i know they had to shut down they had like a 1 hour yes where when the clubbers were going home and people were coming in to go to work they shut down those parts of london to get so they could get footage and cuz those it's like like times square in manhattan like it's mm-hmm. always busy mm-hmm. it's, any given
1: day they went through some of the most f- famous parts of England, of, of london yeah to film and they they threw trash everywhere and set up the scene and they had to tear it down within you know minutes yeah and, like it's
0: that's uh, i think i read that um, for one like a couple days they were sh- they were shooting 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 and they got 1 minute of usable footage Mm -hmm. because they have such a tight window they can shoot with and because you know having you know like you you and I both have video production experience like we know that like to go there and just start recording you just can't go do that Mm -hmm. you need to like set up you need to have things you need to rehearse and of course all this stuff can be done at different times but even when you're when you're there it's always different Mm
1: -hmm. so uh, and you know that the 28 days later especially with the opening scene um really is what gave me a fasc- fascination with film scores and oh yeah music choice for scene set for scenes because the I think it's very technically well done. Mm-hmm. yes the shooting the cinematography was very well done and executed and the production you know the, the, what they had to go through to get those shots is admirable and but that what takes it from that you know good to great, Is that score. That, in a heartbeat. John Murphy's score is... Is... Instantly recognizable. Yes. And just the... And then, mixed with that score, you have, like, the one or two times... I can't remember. He actually opens his mouth and says something. You know, cries out for somebody. And then it's just back to dead silence and then the piano. With, like, the slow build-up into the, uh, the instruments. I, uh...
0: I watched it recently to kind of refresh myself a little bit just because there's like any kind of really good movie. There's always little, little, uh, little bows of ribbons put everywhere. They, you know, once you are looking for them, they're little treats you pick up along the way. And it's one of those treats that was definitely the, if you really like really, uh, in my, in my take on it, the music, all those scenes where when Jim wakes up, He's rummaging around London. No one's around. He Mm -hmm. screams out, hello! Mm -hmm. And the sound drops out and then the music kind of slowly fades. So, in the course of the film, after he meets Selena, after he meets, what, Frank and Hannah, Mm -hmm. and he goes to meet Major West and all the crew at the end, the soldiers, every pause that music fills, it's a build. It it builds to that very end the full piece. So, it was like, Oh, I didn't catch that the mm-hmm. first couple of times, and I was really listening to it. I was like, because I, I knew the score, the the big in a heartbeat, the mm-hmm. big song piece. I was just waiting for it to come out in different parts of the movie, but it was always little, small sections of it. Yeah, yeah. And then
1: we,
0: <laughs> I was like, oh, I see what they're doing there. Okay, mm-hmm. okay, you clever guys. Mm-hmm. But um, <clears throat> so yeah, what um, I think it was uh one of the bigger strengths of this, of this film is and we talked a little bit about this in, in a, a train to Busan*, was the urgency because the zombies were fast they're very aggressive and they're very unpredictable in a sense that they kind of came out of nowhere mm-hmm. you, know, you know when Jim wakes up and he, he goes back to find his parents and him and Selena and the other guy were camping out for the night and they they break through the window, the zombies, because mm-hmm. Jim's watching the TV or whatever he's doing, and like, you, you would never get that in A, a Night of the Living Dead, mm-hmm. and it's like nothing is ever safe. Yes, you never have that sh- that sureness that you're comfortable. Yeah,
1: there's no sense of security at all in this movie, where because there's always some kind of there's always some kind of threat looming, any time, and you know I think you know even before that opening. I guess, sequence of Jim when they introduce us to Jim. We have that that scene right before that where they set up the the virus, the rage virus with the chimpanzees. There's -hmm. that whole scene in front of it. I think from a zombie movie, I mean, um, I think they did extremely well in setting up the virus. And I loved the scene uh when they are you know, like infected infected with what and he just says, rage <laughs> like i was like oh man that's <laughs> and i then, mean then... In the opening sequence
0: you have this like it's almost kind of campy in a way it's they're feeding they're feeding uh, um this ape
1: all this horrible imagery of violence they're, and protests and ludovico techniquing this this <laughs> chimpanzee it's like what's that do you
0: remember Street Fighter, the movie with jean Claude Van Damme? <laughs> yeah, it's like when they remember Blanca, what's his name, the the green guy with mm-hmm. the big orange hair. Oh like my they, God. they kept feeding him that. It was like that. Kind of, that's what it reminded me of. Yeah. But twenty days later is a way better film. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like like, and these liberating these animal rights people was gonna break in and like mm-hmm. save the day and like those fucking assholes just couldn't leave it well enough alone.
1: Couldn't listen to the doctor. No.
0: And, and they were really aggressive about it. Like, what are you infecting them with? And th-
1: was it ever explained what cure they were looking for? Like, No, I don't think they were looking for it. I think they were just in... It was a testing lab, and I know they said they are infected. Infected with what? And they're like, we have to kill her. Yeah. You know, after they got infected. After the the girl gets infected. And all, all the only thing that they say is rage. Mm-hmm. But they allude to it, I think, when you see that scene of the the champ being forced to watch all of the you know the violence in the world and everything um, in yeah it's a taste of things to come yeah i think that that in a sense they're alluding to what it is and oh my god the the scene where the the shot of the girl like for, i think one of the interesting I guess tropes of this movie, that it, it kind of started. I guess was when they they would infect it and they would just like throw up everywhere, yeah, like throw up blood. It was terrifying to me as a kid when I watched it, <laughs> and then only to see her get up and have the the eye, the crazy red, like yeah. eyes was so terrifying. I I um I
0: it's like it's like you you, you uh, um I'm gonna try to say here. The red eyes are like this—this this biggest tell that you're they're infected—and mm-hmm. something about it is just it just punctuates the dread so so sufficiently. And from that moment on, it's like no, no one's safe. Like everyone mm-hmm. in that lab got killed; they had to have. Mm-hmm. And it just expanded and, and went everywhere. And um. It, it, again, it's kind of like this this atmosphere we're living in, where something can happen and, and, and break out and spread so rapidly. And I love I love how uh, when Jim meets Selena in the very beginning,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and she's kind of like giving the backstory, mm-hmm. you know, kind of filling us the audience in with exposition, but telling Jim like, "Hey, first we had a military." And there's no military, and then the, the broadcasts and the news stopped. It seems like what about the government? There is no government. Mm-hmm. Like, there's always a government. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, not not anymore. There's no police. There's no military. There's nada. Mm-hmm. We're fucked. And um, I don't know. It's just like like you got gotta wonder like how fast would that like to, you know because England's a small country. It's the size of like Alabama relatively mm-hmm. speaking. I mean, it's interesting to think in 28 days how much the world would change. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it changed enough a lot for England, at least, because that's where the film's set, but, like, if, if it went to Florida or California, would it go, th- you know, are, are there enough armed citizens ready to, like, throw <laughs> down
1: and blow people away if mm-hmm. there was, I don't know, man. It's, you, like, it's something to think about. I, you, you... I think a really good example of it and the only reason why I enjoyed this series, TV series as much is because of how real it felt was uh, Fear of the Walking Dead okay. so in Fear of the Walking Dead they because The Walking Dead is the same premise where they kind of, you're kind of thrown into this environment you don't know how it started right. Fear of the Walking Dead takes a look at the, the initial start of it from the as from the eyes of a family Mm-hmm. As, you know, and it's the half of the whole first half of the series is them living their lives normally. And you'll slowly start seeing small things happen. And it's like, oh, riots are happening. Oh, people are becoming very violent. People are attacking each other. And it's just, it slowly evolves from, you know, this novelty on the news that you were like, that you would read in the paper. Mm-hmm to now they're seeing it on their streets slowly and the military comes in and they get quarantined and then the military pulls out and then they just they're left by themselves the military just disappears because they all get pulled out and then this family has is really trying to survive throughout this environment and it's in the infancy of the outbreak right and it feels so real the way that everything happens wasn't this because I know Fear, uh, The Walking Dead was set, like, on the East Coast,
0: in Atlanta, mm-hmm. and they move up to D.C. or wherever. Wasn't Fear the Walking Dead set in, like, California? Yeah, it was in, it's,
1: I think it's in L.A. or it's, Yeah, it's in SoCal. Because
0: I remember, I remember watching, I want to say, parts of the first season, and it looked good. Mm-hmm. But for whatever reason, I never stuck with it or kept up with it. And I think I was so tainted and burned out by The Walking Dead. Yes. Um, and not to be that guy... I read the first few books of mm-hmm. The Walking Dead. I really enjoyed them. And all the way up to, like, when they meet Negan in the books. And they are really good. Like, yeah. fucking... No one was safe, mm-hmm. you know. Because they weren't actors on contracts. It was just, like, Game of Thrones. Like, mm-hmm. hey, yeah. hey, your best fair character, he's gone on the next page. And that's how it is. Um, then the show kind of, like, just... The show has had its good moments. I'm not trying to take away everything from the Walking Dead TV show, but it wore me out, and then therefore that kind of translated to my experiences with *For the Walking Dead*. Even though I, I'm not the first person to say this um, or to tell me that, like *For the
1: Walking Dead*, in many ways is a superior show to *The Walking mm-hmm. Dead*. It's a lot more psychological. Yeah, because it deals with um, one small family unit trying to move throughout this landscape um, and dealing with the, the initial outbreak and then it, you know it goes through all of the phases of conflict with the you know there's the man versus the whatever the the, the issue is. Mm-hmm. So that would be man versus the zombies,
0: right
1: or the infected and then it turns into you know a psychological thing where they're dealing with the horrors of you know what it means to have to you know leave somebody behind and the psychological effects it has on the person where it's like I could have saved that person but but for the sake of our group I had to leave these people behind mm-hmm. and let them die and like what that does to your psyche yeah and then it turns into a man versus man where you have these people who are fighting other groups for land, for you know, better land to survive on from everything. So, I think you know, in, as far as Fear of the Walking Dead is concerned, I think, yeah, it's definitely a far more superior show, and you get a lot of the different styles of conflict in that one show. I think it's better acted, better shot, just better, better, yeah, just all around better. But, I, uh, <clears throat> and that's kind of what like, I feel.
0: You know, the twenty days later, the film set a really high bar, in certain, because it had, you know, it it wasn't really the plot is was pretty simple, mm-hmm. it, and and if you look, depending on the perspective you get, not really a whole lot happens in the movie, mm-hmm. um, but what's what channels it and what or what channels our experiences into that film is because. It's so well acted and mm-hmm. the threads of, of, you know, Killian Murphy's character, Jim. He's like our hero and he, he kind of has this huge evolution of like Where am I? And he doesn't really kill to the end he's like the hero, but he's not it's not like the hero, like the he doesn't have to be a superhero. He just you know, has to fight for, you know, what he feels is right and and that is, you know, ethically making the decision to not let Selena and Hannah be left in the hands of who we thought were the saviors or probably these soldiers who mm-hmm. were, you know, I look at Christopher Eccleston's character, Major West, who is the leader of the soldiers at the, at the end of the film. And they're all in this big house. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of hokey. It's like, oh, I promised them women. I'm like, well, sometimes promises don't get filled, fulfilled, man, or there's still time to fill them later. But like, two, as they call them, females get dropped in their lap, and they're like, "Oh, life's good again." Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know. It's like, I like, I get where I get the motivation of the, of the you know, the villain, if you will, mm-hmm. of, the,
1: of the, the 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 human villain is them. You know, I you know. I almost I wouldn't say the human villain necessarily is the major. I think he's just trying to keep it together mm-hmm. And he's got a very right. realist he's a very he's got this very realist sense about him where he's you know very you know um, unfiltered. he's very just real he's very real about it. And he's like, look, I, I, I'm trying to keep it together. I promise my guys you know women or yeah. th- just to keep them from just to keep good order. Well, and... well, yeah, he said he came across that one soldier who had a gun in his mouth mm-hmm. uh,
0: and is like, Well, I had to say something to him, and this is what I said. And now you all have arrived, and there's, there's two women here. And, you know, it, and it's like also, but it ties back into the bigger themes of, of ethical decision making. Like, what would we really do? Mm-hmm. Will we get kind of tribal and default to our, our senses of like instincts of us versus them? You know, fuck the other people. Like, as long as we live, we're good. And it's like, like they, um, since there is no higher power, and what I mean by that, no government, mm-hmm. no police, no one to corral and hold people accountable, mm-hmm. it's kind of like the wild west. And it's like, well, you, we're giving you shelter, and we're going to take what we want. And mm-hmm. it's like, well, and like, can you really fault them for feeling that way? I don't think you can. No. Even though I don't agree with. What they want to do mm-hmm. i feel like it's still okay for them to feel that way because that's there's nothing else holding them back
1: and i think that history and current history has shown that that's kind of what humans default to is that animalistic sense of doing things and you know violence but um i think the the real villain As far as anything that's not infected is just other humans Mm -hmm. and here maybe not other humans but humanity and because it's because yeah it gets it turns into the Wild West and if there's no one to hold anybody accountable we turn to our more baser instincts Mm -hmm. and that's what all those soldiers did and what was dangerous about it is they're soldiers they have the training and the weapons yeah to do whatever they please
0: yeah, and you know it's <clears throat> i think i think you kind of hit the nail right on the head where it's like what gets lost in the mix is is the, the humanity like mm-hmm. what separates us from the animals is how we have empathy and compassion and we we have honor and mm-hmm. all these things and you know when shit you know, i think cheers the fan it's like well that's all out the window. Mm -hmm. You know, (laughs) every man for himself, every woman for themselves. But then we have our, our hero group. We have Jim and Selena. Mm -hmm. And I like Selena who's, she's a survivalist Mm -hmm. at her core. And like, she's like, she's willing to give in to meet you halfway if you both will be able to keep surviving and keep foraging and and living. Mm -hmm. But if things go south, a it's she's
1: gonna go she's gonna live before you do in in her words uh i wouldn't i would i would not uh i'd kill you in a second or i'd kill you in a heartbeat if you yeah. were infected mm-hmm. so um yeah she's i i loved her character and her art. you know and i think yeah that i agree like that's they portray her or she portrays the character very well as this person who can you know is willing to compromise on some things and as long as it means their survival.
0: I know it's never really explored uh, her backstory. I think uh, I read somewhere that um, <clears throat> that Danny Boyle and her kind of made a backstory up for her to kind of give her some motivation. Like her parents were killed. Her brother was killed. All these things. But it, it's like she re- represents that group of people that's like, I, I want there to be hope. But look, man. I don't see a whole lot of hope right now, so I got to do the best for me, but like the rest of the group, Jim, who's kind of like, he's a little like naive and Mm -hmm. unsure, not really that confident, but he's he's so like in a fog because he gets, he had no time to acclimate. Mm -hmm. He just got thrown into the whole, the whole mess.
1: Yes. He, his, (laughs) his being thrown into everything was kind of shitty. Not like mm-hmm. it, it just, you know, as a person, you're like, man, that sucks because, you know, he's wandering around alone mm-hmm. and he wanders into a church. And, you know, what was interesting about the movie, too, is there's a bunch of uh, historical or religious kind of symbolism where he goes to the church to find some kind of to see, you know, find yeah. some kind of shelter. And when he opening, he opens the door and just this giant cross looming over him. But he finds all those un- those you know infected people there, right? And that's when he first realizes when he beats the father over the, <laughs> over yeah. the head with his bag of cans, <laughs> and it, and then starts whole, the whole chase ensues. And that's when, you know when he ends up running into Selena and them. Mm-hmm. And he and I think his his backstory in that movie was he was a bike messenger. He was some kind yeah. of a delivery guy. Mm-hmm. Yep. And he just got hit by a car. And put in a hospital, yeah. He just knocked out for at least 28 days, it's yeah, almost a month, yeah. But
0: it's been a hell of a hit. Mm-hmm. I, uh, um, but I really like, yeah, how Mark Mark was Selena's you know, companion when mm-hmm. they find Jim, and I, I just like how you know Jim's still like trying to like put pieces t- together because he's so lost and he asks, What's going on? or what I forgot he, what he, he asked, he gives him a joke. Asks, oh yeah, yeah He yeah, asks yeah. him
1: a joke, um, and he's like, "Great, he's got he's like he's lost all sense of humor." <laughs> but uh,
0: but but yeah, that's that's a funny scene. It's kind of a good way to kind of test this: Are you infected or not? Mm-hmm. Um, but um, but the line that still cracks me up is uh, basically Jim's like, "What happened? What's going on?" And you know, what happened? Where, where's everybody? And Mark's like, "I got some bad news for you."
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he gets I, me every time I I wish he would have lasted longer than he did
0: yeah he was he was pretty fun to watch but again that's like
1: that's Danny Boyle I'm not sure who wrote this movie but that's him pulling the rug out from you like yeah, he had to, well, I think he also had to die as far as the story is the story is concerned just to drive show, home the fact that how yeah. serious Selena was when she said she would kill you in a heartbeat and I I felt bad because he got like axe, mur- <laughs> he's got machete murder yeah. on screen God, that was—he just says wait, and then just, you know got what? Hacked. Yeah. And what if? What if he wasn't bit? What if it was just like some gl- <laughs> I thought I, That always keeps me up at she night wasn't when I watch this movie. It's like, what if he really just? I know.
0: I was thinking that too. I looked at his wound. It looked like it was. It didn't look like a bite at all. Yeah. But I mean, open wound and the infected's blood was everywhere. So she's like, I'm not fucking taking. <laughs> I'm not rolling the dice at all, bro. Mm-hmm. You've been a good friend, but. It, Bye. It's your time. Bye-bye. Peace out. Um, so I liked, you know, so her, uh, Jim and Selena kind of buddy up, and she's I like her little whole thing about, like, plans are pointless, and she's very – I can understand and appreciate the fact that she's so, you know, cynical. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not much to hope for. I'm sure she's seen a lot of just – carnage and death and chaos and nothing looks great but every survivor er, i find that every survivor that finds another survivor mm-hmm. they they lack on they latch on because it's like i don't know when i'll meet another one of you mm-hmm. let's let's buddy up and let's let's be um let's let's band together you know but this, so they meet frank and hannah um and it's the same thing like frank frank just come on in folks mm-hmm and uh i like i like the scene on the on the roof when frank is trying to collect
1: water and mm-hmm. like but it hasn't rained in 10 days mm-hmm. have you ever been to england i have never but i know it rains i i know the stereotypes about england and the rain <laughs> right and like fucking nothing and uh <laughs> i uh
0: the one you know i like uh, uh how the cast here the three i don't really know much about selena's naomi harris Mm-hmm. But I know that, like, Killian Murphy, who plays Jim, uh, uh, Brandon, Gleason. Brandon Gleason, who plays uh, uh, Frank, and then Christopher Eccleston, who plays um, the, ma- the Major. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't know who they were when this movie came out, but, you know, they since grew up and had really big roles yeah. after the fact. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I like how, like, they, it's kind of fun how everyone really shines, but it's not overshadowed by anyone's star mm-hmm. power or anything like that. Oh, yeah. So, um, and then, so after Hannah and Frank take in, uh, Selena and Jim, they decided to go to this military or they, block the blockade or yeah, up this, way up in Manchester. It's supposed
1: to be a safe area that was set up. hmm And, but they have to get out of London. So
0: two things happen. They go and they, uh, what happens first? The, uh, oh, the tunnel scene happens first before the shopping scene. And that tunnel scene was really, like I got, like I was kind of echoing Jim's idea or James' words, like, this sounds like a really shit idea, and Pranks like fuck it and just mm-hmm. goes
1: and drives his, was his Range Rover or whatever it was, it was like a little, t- yeah, it was not a very, it was it was a, extremely European vehicle, yeah, but it,
0: traverses all these other cars piled up somehow, and, hey, mm-hmm. um, good for him, but. then but then the tire blows out and oh my god that whole scene when they're trying to flip the tire and they're like picking the tire up with their or the car up with their hands cuz they don't have time to, to mm-hmm. raise the jack and
1: uh well, well yeah when the rats and the, sc- the, the girl the girl screams and that causes you mm-hmm. know all of the uh, infected mm-hmm. to start swarming to them and there was so much tension even when i watched it today that scene still get, like makes my skin crawl because how like how tense everything yeah. is but you know what was funny is when they what i liked about it and i can feel like it's very relatable in the movie is that whenever they have these hard some of these hard times you know they, they laughed it off like as they're leaving they're like ha, i can't believe that actually worked that's very british yeah <laughs> it's <laughs> it's like, like, <laughs> oh, wow well it seems like even for like it seems like very you know military-esque like humor too where it's like i cannot believe that worked yeah <laughs> Yeah, and, they kind of just kind of laugh it off. This, yeah, I mean, they almost they almost completely died. Yeah, but yeah, they yeah. laughed like, it off and keep
0: going. The one thing that it, that, uh, and I and I will we'll get to this probably later at some point, but one thing that trained you, Busan, 20 days later, and a lot of zombie films kind of you know trope along with is the last second, the door closes at the last second, or this happens, or rise of zombies are at the mm-hmm. glass they just then got the door shut just in the nick of time. And it's mm-hmm. like, it'd be kind of fun to see that one movie where they go shut the door and, nope, it's wretched open and yeah. the person gets pulled out. I'm sure that's happened in movies before. I just haven't seen every zombie movie mm-hmm. ever made, so sorry, folks. But um, besides but so the tunnel scene, I'll like, I like... is this part I really, really like. Probably a fair scene in the movies when they're in the shopping, yeah. in, the, in the grocery store. And I, I would just always like to imagine if I had... Car blanche, no mm-hmm. strings attached. Money was no object. Yeah, just get whatever the fuck you want. Oh man, what would you get first? What would be your,
1: your go-to s- snacks? Non-perishable snacks. I don't know, because if I was in that situation, oh well, I guess that's, I like how you through that non-perishable. Um, I honestly, I'd probably go. I'd echo with what Brandon Gleason's character did and go straight for the booze. <laughs> He went, because I remember the, everybody was like they went past the apples he went past all the fruit and everything else and he was yep. like and you see him in the aisle with the alcohol. <laughs> yep. like, yeah. He gets like one, two, three, four boxes of the yeah. stuff. I was like,
0: yeah, I mean. Uh, it was a fun little moment where he's like showing Jim like he's mm-hmm. like educating Jim this is what you really want to drink is mm-hmm. this, this aged whatever it was and that was fun.
1: I like, I like that that whole scene though because it's and you know the movie did this very well where it, ri- it rides this The wave, if you will, where you have these extremely tense scenes where, like, they're being chased up the stairwell, yeah, in in the apartment complex to them being in the apartment drinking wine, Mm -hmm. you know, and relaxing a little bit, and then to the tunnel scene, extreme tension, and then to they get out, they get, they yeah, they release and they get out to the to the shopping center, and then they get out into the park area where they see the horses and everything. Yeah, and very relaxing, um, and then you know, right back into it. Yeah,
0: like I was, I it was about the um, so the uh, my a good friend of mine, Erica, she also mentioned this to me. She she, she she's a big cinema person, and um, she always she reminded me about this uh, or told me about this whole thing that movies have it's called the one-hour pivot, where usually by the one-hour mark something shifts yeah. like you know middle of the second act you know like the tragedy like mm-hmm. what drives mm-hmm. the second act to spin up the climax in the third act happens about halfway through which is most movies about around an mm-hmm. hour in so the one hour pivot is when they finally get to the blockade of manchester yes oh man and you all right?
1: yeah sorry
0: ears it itching oh <laughs> no, but and uh but yeah that's kind of like it's just been the gym, Selena, and then the Frank and Hannah show. And they're just going to this, you know, mythical haven yes. that's somewhere in Manchester. And they get there. And then, like, the, not saying the whole tone of the movie shifts, but the movie does change from the the party expands. We get more cast members in. And lose you lose one, too. You lose one. Um, I always thought that was kind of an interesting way to, like, You know, the whole idea of how you get infected is kind of unique. Whereas, like, a bite will do it for sure, but also just being... It's, like, almost like a disease where... mm -hmm. I mean, it's a virus or whatever, but, like, you know, just, like, basically, like, getting kind of contact is enough to to transform Mm -hmm. someone into... And it happens so quick. Yeah. Yeah, not a whole lot of shelf life, gestation period.
1: I thought about that, too. Like, how terrifying that is when you're in these situations where you're like hacking slashing and things and but you also god help you if you get if you have an open wound and you get any blood anywhere or any blood anywhere near your mouth or your eyes or an opening that's terrifying um because you think about how many zombie films
0: you know they're hacking through zombies and the blood's going mm -hmm. everywhere it's no big deal it's just more makeup to clean up later but like it's yeah you you can't just like hack and slash you can't just go Mm -hmm. willy-nilly you got to be very cognizant of where you're swinging your blade yes lest you be infected Mm
1: -hmm. you know i think at that scene that blockade scene too or i think it happens at the blockade where he's getting gas Mm -hmm. where they're trying to get gas and he goes in um jim goes into the store to kind of look around yeah and at the up until that point he has not Killed an infected, not one person, until the boy who mm-hmm. was infected, which scared the shit out of me when I first saw the movie. Um, and he just it's you can tell it hits him differently because it's a kid. And you know, normally when you a lot of these movies in a lot of zombie movies, when they're killing infected, they just kill it and move on. And he like put his boot down on this kid's chest. Yeah. this infected kid's chest and just like looked at him and he realized it kind of like hit him with what, what he had to do. And they could tell that, that, that visibly affected him mm-hmm. for the rest of the, the movie. And that, I think for Jim's character in his kind of story arc, that's when he really started to change because he just, in his mind, you know, they, they weren't dead. They are just infected. Right. And he just killed a, a child. What it's interesting to think
0: like, if they were infected, could they be Un- uninfected? Mm-hmm. Could there be a cure that you just, yeah. and then, Hey, I'm good. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I, it's romantic, romantic to think so, yeah. but we never get that. And I think it's cause it, the, it takes over so quickly. There's no enough time to like mm-hmm. sit back and really study it. Um, I wanted to ask, I kinda wanna, kind of want to kind of, I don't get to go too long on this one, but mm-hmm. um. I wanted to ask you, is this a scary movie? As in, does, does this movie scare you?
1: Um, visually, from what I see on the screen, um, not, not so much. It okay. makes me tense, Yeah, I would say. There's a lot of tense moments in there, but there's not any jump scares in this movie, really. Aside from, like, the, the, the boy showing up out of nowhere, mm-hmm. um... I really oh and the when they're in the thunderstorm at the end where the the soldier that's infected that they're keeping in chains kind of shows up at the window yeah there's like not a whole lot of jump scares in the movie um, I think there's some humor involved in there's a lot there's a little bit more humor than I imagined would be involved in this movie and I think it's I' think it's just a very tense movie what scares me is how the humans treated each other mm-hmm. in that movie. And I think that was probably one of the goals when they were making it, was um, the infected, at first, are the main challenge, and then it turns into, you know, they, they turn into more of, like, set pieces for the real challenge, which is other humans. Yeah, it's like some of these zombie movies that have come out
0: have... have kind of parked the zombie Mm -hmm. like the 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 conflict that the zombies represent as like this backdrop and and what we we really are looking at is the social commentary Mm -hmm. and I think that's an interesting study for this movie because it's it's I guess it's in a way like asking us to think about if it was the Wild West again Mm mm-hmm the world we that we know of, know now and live now, or at least in 2002, which I don't think is too different, um, would all those ethics and values that we hold bear no weight into our, you know, if it was a wild west, would we just throw a little, chuck all those out the window and just start anew, mm-hmm. or just, I don't know, and I th- it's interesting to think about, you know, how the impact of 20 days later has opened up the doors to so many other zombie films that come through Mm -hmm. the the gates because I feel every zombie film, every good zombie film has this layer of social commentary under it. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that's kind of like, you know, what, what, what theme does a zombie movie really need to have? If it's not for a a message of who we are as as living people when we're not living people anymore, what do we become? Yeah. So does that make, I don't know if that makes any sense, but
1: no, I think, I think, yeah, it's, it's a really interesting study of the human condition when we get put into these traumatic scenarios. Um, But just thinking of like how they, how well they portrayed it. Mm -hmm. But the reason why it's not scary to me is they have these, these scenes in there that are, that are, like, kind of peppered in there that are either just, like, hysterically funny mm-hmm. or, you know, it's very telling of, like, a human condition and not jump scares. Like, for me, the scene that just makes me, every time I just can't help but laugh is the scene. They're in the house. They're under attack. And... They're asking him, like, hey, where's this guy? Where's this soldier at? Where's this soldier at? And they see him, like, sprinting. You just see, like, a, it's yeah. like a long shot, and you just see, like, one dude running. Yep. Screaming at the top of his lungs, and then just this infected kind of, like, he's bubbling along behind him. Yeah. Just, like, and I, and everybody's just looking at this guy, just doing, <laughs> no, not going to help him at all. No. I'm just going to let this guy it's get too run busy screaming. Like, yeah, <laughs> like, to be like, Did I really just see that? Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> I can't. I, every time, that, that makes me laugh, but, like, it's so so real, too. I like um, uh, um,
0: the, um, well, I had a question, like, why did Jim, so so when Major West's plan to keep the women to give to his men is revealed, Jim doesn't go along with it, so they take him and the other soldier, who's kind of, like, defecting, Mm -hmm. off to go execute, Jim escapes and he releases the... Mm -hmm. um, the infected soldier that they have chained up, mm-hmm. and <laughs> like he stabs the one dude with the bayonet mm-hmm. later on when he's going through the house, and he leaves the weapon there. Yeah. Like, Jim's really bold to go through the entire house to try to save two people without a weapon. Mm-hmm. Like how I never understood that decision, that thought process. Like, dude, takes you. You have you don't have a shirt on. You have nothing. <laughs> he's literally in just pants. You're in pants. What are you? <laughs> What are you trying to? I mean, of course he wins, and I, I get it.
1: Um, you no, know, he get does get shot. I've never, you know, I I've never thought about it like that. But you're right. I, he, does this completely hands like weapon free, just I, uses. I,
0: I don't I don't know what they were going for. Maybe it was about Jim's character. He doesn't want to carry a weapon. I don't know. I don't know. Um, did you, um one parallel I wanted to bring up before we can wrap it up. Um, have you ever seen dog soldiers? I want to say yes. I, I think so. So it also came out in 2002. It's also in, in a British horror film. Also very low budget. Okay. And how how and how and I've referenced Howl to Train to Busan, this mm-hmm. was a, a werewolf movie. Okay. Um, and so the ending of of 28 Days Later is in this house full of soldiers, and they defended from zombies, they have everything. Um and dog soldiers these these basically they're at in the field mm-hmm. like doing like these SDS guys are in the field just kind of doing like a field op for like the weekend and they're like soldiers that are bitching about like not going to the bar mm-hmm. you know what? You know, every like lance corporal talk typical things that yeah. that we all whine and complain about yeah the minute we drop in the field oh man I'm, i miss civilization mm-hmm. and um long story short they get holed up in a house and they're fighting off werewolves mm mm-hmm. mhm I don't know. It's just like, it's just kind of funny. I, like the, those two movies, 20 Days Later and Dog Soldiers, both came out at the same time. Tw- uh, Dog, Sol- Dog Soldiers didn't really get the, um, the uh, pop culture boost mm-hmm. that 20 Days Later got, where it's like, you know, it's a staple in zombie mm-hmm. zombie movies now, but Dog Soldiers, for what it's worth, is really good. And it's it's got that, lowbrow, cheeky British humor. Mm-hmm. So it's got a lot of its funny parts are in there, and then it's got a lot of gore and violence, and these guys are soldiers. But, like, there's little funny bits, like the, the werewolf is trying to, like, break into the, the door. He puts his hand down into the mail slot, and so they're trying to nail the door. He starts hammering the <laughs> hand with the with the hammer. Like, little funny moments like that mm-hmm. are, really, are really punctuated throughout, and they're funny. So as an aside... 2002 low budget British horror movie that's not Days later is Dog Soldiers and I highly recommend that film. Um, Okay. Lo and behold, Jim and company escape from the rapey soldiers (laughs) and Jim survives his belly wound. He got shot in the gut by Major West and they make this big, they sew together giant letters that spell out hello, Mm -hmm. like a jet, Flies over and uh, and it kind of it kind of ends on a very ambiguous note. You don't really know where where, if they get rescued or not. You think they get rescued. It's kind of you know because you I think you actually hear the pilot say
1: he says that they say that they found yeah bring a helicopter or something Mm -hmm. but uh, the um, so um, what was interesting about that scene is that scene was shot way after the production wrapped. Or not way after, but it was shot after the production wrapped. Oh, really? And the quality is actually noticeably different in that last scene. You're right. Compared to the other ones because it I was shot. I hadn't that until you said that. Because it was shot later. Because yeah. the original ending was them busting through the gate. And you see it because they bust through the gate and it kind of like freeze frames Yeah. on you. That was supposed to be the end of the movie. Huh. Um, and if, I, if the story I remember is correct, when they showed it to like test audiences. Mm-hmm. Um, or on the cutting room, they, they they felt like they needed, or the the somebody on high was like, hey, we need the like, better closure, yes. so they went out and they reshot, or they, and then they took you know brought the actors back and they reshot this scene, but they didn't have the original cameras anymore, mm. so they had to use a different camera, so that's why the quality is different, and um and they're being rescued. Yeah, I didn't notice that. Or, I mean- and,
0: like, now that I think about it now, you're absolutely right, but I had never even put those dots together. It's like an actual... It looks like a movie quality, mm-hmm, if you will, all, yeah. at, at the end. Whereas up until that point, it was all gr- the gritty mm-hmm. camcorder type, like it was shot on a potato.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you, um, and going back to the aircraft, um, I think one of the scenes that really stuck out to me in this movie is when Jim is sitting in the prison mm-hmm. if you will where he's in yeah he's locked away with that other soldier mm-hmm. and they're that other soldier is kind of looking up into the sky through the window and you see like jets like jumbo jets like flying overhead leaving yeah, controls it, there was yeah. and he yeah. there's this whole conversation but it's like the world is it really helps give you some perspective in that movie because they are they're sitting there with this horrible situation happening to them Right then and there, yeah. But the rest of the world is moving on as if nothing happened.
0: Well, it even makes that like that, that proclamations like it's like, of course they quarantined us. We're on a small island, mm-hmm. you know. Because um, I remember Selena saying early on there were reports of an infection in Paris and New York. Mm-hmm. And the guy was and the soldier was chained up, s- skeptical. Like how, mm-hmm. how do they get the infection cross oceans and mountains? How is it in America? I mean,
1: mm-hmm.
0: like I don't know. It'd, it'd, be, it'd, it'd be interesting to see how it would have gotten.
1: Yeah, from place to place. Because it takes so... It, there's, the gestation period for it is so small. Yeah. Or the window for it. So they would have to be, you know, kind of like in Turin of Busan or some other movies. Or like World War Z, where it's like a stowaway. Or it's somebody like trapped in a bathroom. And nobody. And it's kind of just sitting there. Yeah. Until somebody opens the door and releases it, but yeah, it's it's interesting to think how that would have gotten from the small island that is England into right. hell, even into Ireland. Like how yeah. it would have been able to cross, or if it even did, that that's never really known. But the yeah, um,
0: I want to say at the end of twenty eight weeks later. Yeah, there's that scene at the Eiffel
1: Tower. Mm-hmm. They show when they when. Um, the pilot takes the uh the girl and the, and the kid across the the channel yeah and a, the i guess cra- it looked like the crash land or they land in paris yeah and then all you see is the the zombie, the infected running and then into the silhouette of the eiffel tower to you know perfectly set up a sequel that or another sequel that never ends up happening which is really depressing yeah i know this episode's about
0: 28 days later but i just want to side tangent that this Movie had a sequel that was comparable mm-hmm. to it. It was actually one of the few sequels that maybe it wasn't as maybe not better, but it was I feel it was as good. Definitely, it, it was definitely wasn't a bad sequel.
1: No, I loved it. Um, I think it was really good. Well, all right. What well, um, anything else you want to add before we get to ratings? Um, no. I, I will add my side statement with the rating because I think it's important. Okay. For it, it. it as well. Um, so I give. I mean, I mean, I want to make sure I get the rating right, uh-huh. but um... one second, almost there. There it is. No um, to me, uh, this movie was a. It was flawless. It was a plus. Okay. Um, the cinematography was r- so well thought through shooting it on this little budget camera using like bloom filters, um, on certain, certain scenes, uh, the tell ta- the, the, the story itself is simple as, you know, it, it was and not really too complicated. Right. Was very, then, you know, if you're going to do something simple, you need to knock it out of the park for it to, um, really lat to, to have a good impact. And I think yeah. they did, um, it shows humanity in a really interesting way that at the time wasn't really being portrayed. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got to me as a, as a, as a, a fan of cinema and you know, a scholar of film too. Um, there are certain things that uh, happen in that movie that most people probably won't catch unless you're a fan of cinema. Mm-hmm. So specifically, and I didn't catch this the first few times I watched it, but the second I, I caught it, I could I never I, I could like never let it go. And it's it's actually you know the, it's a quote from the movie that I use whenever I, you know instruct my students mm-hmm. for, you know dialogue and film and everything. And you know I usually have like a quote of the day thing. It's where we look up a movie quote or I have a movie quote and I let them guess where it came from. Nobody ever gets this one because it's such a small quote. That's whispered, and that's it. And it's when they're in the house, and the well. So let me let me let me, let me backtrack. At the beginning, when they meet, when Selena meets them, mm-hmm. and Jim meet, she says, you know, I wouldn't hesitate. I would kill you in a heartbeat. Yeah. At the end of the movie, or towards the end, towards in the, the climax of the movie, uh, Jim has an altercation with a soldier who's holding Selena. Hostage in a be- in a in a bedroom somewhere, mm-hmm. he sneaks in through the roof, jumps down, and s- savagely beats this soldier to death. Mm-hmm. You know, smashing his head up against the wall, almost in the same fashion as you see the infected killing other people, where it's not like they're biting; they're like they're beating. Yeah. So he's beating this guy to death, and you know, covered in blood, eye gouges the guy while he's laying down So it's a pretty gruesome scene but in at the end of that selena sees is watching this whole fight happen she grabs a machete and is like holding it like she's gonna swing and when jim finishes killing the guy he gets up and runs over to selena and she holds the machete up to swing but doesn't yeah and holds it on him for a second and then all you hear is, is Jim whispers, like, that was longer than a heartbeat. Yeah. And then I was like, that is, um, like, a master class and like, calling back to the, like, original dialogue. Yeah. And it's not even something that's hit on multiple times. They only say it one time, and that's it. Yeah. And it wraps it up so beautifully. Well, um, oh,
0: I think it shows the growth of Selena mm-hmm. as far as, like, her connection to Jim and her, uh, 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 you know, her love of jim and um you know maybe she's not as cynical as you know maybe in our in her heart of hearts she knew he was okay and that's what she hesitated but um but you're right it it, it loops it back wonderfully and it's not like it's not like a a, a layered joke that gets punched on the whole movie it's like it's once in the beginning and it's forgot about until it, it comes back
1: full circle later mm-hmm.
0: and very well done
1: yeah and you almost i it took me I, it went over my head so many times so I was like, why is he saying that was really in a heartbeat yeah it did and then you know obviously the the the, the score the track is called in a heartbeat yeah <laughs> so it's 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 funny how all of that just kind of you know i'm probably gonna have that playing mm-hmm. under us talking at this part of the episode so it's <laughs> because yeah. it's it's so good yeah, but that to me those um, style that that the stuff that they do as far as on the editing room and, and on the editing floor and you know telling this story and the dialogue and looping back to things that were said in the beginning in such a grandiose fashion with this massive fight and blood everywhere and they still make like, this call back to the original line of dialogue I think is Um, You know, it's it's perfectly executed, and I think the ending would have been just fine if they left it a little ambiguous with the them crashing through the fence. But um, I think the ending that they have as well, when they get rescued, is is fine too. I'm I'm okay with both Mm -hmm. both ways that it ends. One gives more closure than the other, but I'm also a fan of the ambiguous endings too.
0: Yeah, I think the the ending that as it is now. While it's still ambiguous, it's definitely way more hopeful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there you go. Um so I think for my rating though, it's gonna be what's it doing? No, it's my phone. It does that. Um so my end my my rating for this is going to be an A. a f- mm-hmm. Flat A. Um I do own it. Um it's a. Uh, it's not flawless. And I can't really tell you why. I don't find it flawless. Um, I certainly know it's not a bad film. It uh, it, it has staying power, mm-hmm. and that's why it, it's so well remembered, well revered, and it's so impactful. Like I said at the very beginning of the, of the episode, like it, it reopened the doors to making zombie movies okay again, mm-hmm. and and that's why I still go back to it, and that's why I still appreciate it, and you know. I'm so happy the performances came out the way they did, and the direction of it was so on 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 the spot and just done so well. And then the score—you can't argue with that score. It, it's it's a score that most people like would never dream, dream of achieving because it's so almost insurmountable in, to, to overcome.
1: Oh um, God. yeah, it, it it's so like other than other you know some big budget. You know movies that have you know the I think the John Will- or the John Williams John Williams scores Hans Zimmer like a and anything like yeah, yeah Hans Zimmer or uh, Johan God what's his name he did uh, he did like Battle of El- Battle of Los Angeles and a bunch of other ones he died recently I know you're talking about um, but like if yeah. you're not one of those three like you don't really see you don't really or like maybe to me Trent Reznor is probably one of my other favorite uh, film scores but it's hard it's hard to find a movie especially in, this, in the in the genre that it is. To have such an impact, Johan Johansson. Um, sorry, just it came to me. The that's name. fine. I get it. Um, but to have to a, a movie that's in this genre have such a powerful track that stays so well, and it's so. I mean, you, unless you watch the movie and are really a fan of it, you probably aren't gonna remember it like like you do the Jaws. Yeah. But if you're a yeah. fan of cinema, and like these kinds of movies. This is a track that you know. It you, sticks it's out. instantly recognizable yeah. to anybody who's a fan.
0: I think that uh, it's this combination of dread and, and suspense building it does. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's it's not that many notes as far as like the phrase, of the melody. It's just a big... It's on a repeat, and it, mm-hmm. it's just layers are built and built, and it, it, it mirrors it mimics the ramping up of suspension that... This movie produces. Oh yeah, and uh, I still think it was really smart how they threaded the, like the different parts of the score throughout the film and finally peaking, climaxing mm-hmm. at the end uh, fight scene.
1: Smart, smart, smart move. Oh god, I, I'm just looking. I think um, Yep, yeah, they have a, uh, a John Murphy vinyl of the soundtrack. So I think I'm about to buy that and frame that, and put it in my house. Cause oh yeah. That, yeah. It, I I am a huge fan of just music in general, and I appreciate you know music that really sticks out to me and that means a lot to me. And this movie sure. is this movie is one that I've watched so many times from you know being a kid all until I'm you know, being an adult, and I still will watch it and recommend it to people because of the impact it's had on me, and I always will remember it fondly. So, having something like that around is just, you know, extra for me. Sure. Yeah, I mean, you, you look around my house, you see mm-hmm. the crap I have on my walls. Like, yeah, it's the,
0: um, yeah. the the shining stuff in your bathroom. Yeah, that's my favorite movie. And mm-hmm. I, I, I pay tribute to it where I take a shit. Yeah. <laughs> that's how I roll. Um, okay, so, awesome movie, 20 Days Later. If you haven't seen it yet, go see it. I'd say go see it again if you already have. It's worth a rewatch. Uh, we're coming into the Halloween season, you know. Go, go, go! Give it, a, give it a watch. You won't be disappointed. I promise you. Very, very good. Um, okay. Well, thanks to, to Andrew for stopping by and
1: hanging out and talking this great film with me. And uh, anything you want to plug? No, I, th- I think it was. I'm always, always a pleasure to be here and, awesome. and discuss cinema.
0: Awesome. Thanks for staying. So. All right, guys, this is John from Blood, Sweat, and Popcorn. We'll catch you next time. See ya. All righty. Thanks so much again to Andrew for coming out and hanging out and chatting this movie with me. Great time, as always. He's a great guest, and he always picks, like, the best movies to chat about. He, he picked this one, he picked, um, if you go back further my catalog, he picked uh, In Bruges, so the man's got some good taste. I might need to make him a regular on the show. In preparation for Halloween, I have a fun mini-sode scheduled uh, to come out next, which also features Andrew, so uh, stick around for that. I hope everyone has a fun and safe Halloween, watch lots of scary movies, Eat all the candy, and until next time, take care, guys.